One and done. Punch it, Margaret. All I can think of when you say that is don't look Ethel. <laughs> don't look Ethel. Lord, we give you thanks. Before this congregation devolves into horseplay um, we give you thanks for all that you have done I thank you for the hostages that you have brought out mm -hmm. and I pray your protection over those who are still in captivity Lord we ask for your presence here today Move among us, touch us, speak to us, speak through us, and help us give you the glory you deserve. In Jesus' name. I give you glory for all you've brought me through. And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. Your grace has been enough, and I'm believing the best is yet to come. The cross before me, my hope on things above, <laughs> and in you, Jesus, the best is yet to come.
the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough and you came along and put me back together and Here in your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you There's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Nothing is better than you afraid to show you my weakness my failures and flaws Lord you've seen them all and you still call me friend cause the God of the mountains is the God Won't find me again. 
There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, man on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need, you've got. There's honey in the rock. There's honey in the rock. at the mercy seat now I've tasted it's not hard to see only you can satisfy there's honey in the rock 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 Freedom where the spirit is, bounty in the wilderness, you will always satisfy. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, man on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything there's honey in the rock, purpose in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hands. Started flowing when you said it is done. Everything you did's enough. There's honey in the rock. There's honey in the rock. 
Your name is higher than any other. You shed your blood so we could be set free. Lord, your goodness overwhelms us. Jesus, we have tasted and seen. You are sweeter than honey, sweeter than honey. You are sweeter than honey. Sweeter than honey, we have tasted and seen you are good. We take delight in your presence, there's pleasures evermore. And we worship you, we worship you, Lord. singing if you lead it playing. Huh? I'll sing it if you lead it playing. Okay.
Man, all rise. <laughs> 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 all 
Praise the Lord. The honorable judge, yes. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, one, of the, one of the things uh, we've been uh, praying and finding and getting rid of and whatever. This morning, Kay said, well, I, I thought of one other thing. And as we prayed, praying about that particular thing, I, I felt like I heard the Lord say that healing is in your hands. The healing is in He's releasing healing, and for sure, I'm, I wouldn't say that we're the only one that he's releasing it to, but for sure, he is releasing it to us. Healing in the hand. Like, and we sang uh, two songs there about honey. chance to look or so if you have any insight in honey or healing I'm not the only one God speaks to <laughs> but I do know he's speaking those two things so I want you to give me some thoughts songs Kay was singing said that it's finished uh, the, 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 the healing was established when he said it's finished my brain conflicted with that and then my spirit corrected me the healing that God gave us the ability to in, uh, enact came about because of the recognition of who he is that then changes our DNA and makes us into a child of God. So the minute we say, yes, Lord, you are my Lord, confess his name and you will be saved. That transformational moment is the moment that healing comes into our lives. So I was thinking, well, what about when he was sending out the disciples because he sent them out and there were, they were healing before the work was done. And the Lord said, yeah, I empowered them to do what they did. But I, in today's vernacular, I anchored it into the Constitution on the day that I hung on my cross. In other words, it became something that was a God-given right the minute 
that he hung on the cross. Prior to that, it was up to him to give and to take. We have we have a very, very remedial understanding of God's healing. That's not a rebuke. That's just a reality. I've said this many times. When I'm just being careful of my words here. When the three basic edicts of Christianity are to heal the sick, deliver the demonized, and raise the dead, and we don't have those down, and I'm saying it to me as much as anybody else, um, we have to stop and ask ourselves what's going on. And I think even the phrasing of, and we don't have that down, we can't do that, we haven't been doing that, the church is not enacting that. I think that says something because it's not about what we do, it's about where we are and what our position is with Christ in the humility that we need to be showing him. And I think we need to humble ourselves and ask the Lord for the fulfillment of his design and his plan to bring about the completion of the miraculous. Humble yourself and pray and I will heal your land. And so we have, I believe that that's what God is calling us to do because when you see things, Iran is not being attacked because of counsel given to those that would attack Iran. And the reason they're not being attacked is because of, I believe, is because of the largest revival of the Christian faith that the world has seen is happening in China and Iran right now. And so I believe it's God's grace and his positioning that he's saying, no, these are my people. I'm not done there yet. We're not going to do this. And however that plays out in the political sphere, I don't know. That's his business. But it's because they've humbled themselves. They've been put under a stress and a place and a point of so much duress. When you were singing the last song, I had an experience years ago. I was going through, it was a time when my first marriage had collapsed. I had had to let go of my children. I had spent thousands and thousands of dollars trying to get my children back through the legal system. And um, I was just going through anguish. I was traveling 600 miles one way just to go to church. Um, I'll explain that one day. It was a little bit crazy, but it's what God told me to do. And one morning I woke up and I realized that the Lord had been laying beside me all night, whispering in my ear. And I had a very sudden recollection of all the things he told me throughout the entirety of the night. And then just as fast as I realized it, and started to affirm it, it started to fade. And I shared that with somebody a couple of days later, and they said, he planted seeds in you. There's seeds that'll grow, that'll be coming. But it came from a place of not anything I did. 
it came from a place of where I was. I was a pla in a place of complete humility. I had been humbled. I had been, I had tried everything in my power to correct the things I wanted corrected, and it went nowhere. Right. Right, that's right. I, I, I. And it went nowhere. And when I yielded was when the Lord stepped in and did this miraculous thing. It's time and time again, there's stories I could share. Just a year and a half after I got saved, I was at a marriage conference and I was up in a hotel room and I looked down and there was a bunch of people gathering outside of the convention center that we were near. And I said to one of the people I was with, I said, what's that all about? They said, oh, there's a Black Sabbath concert going on there tonight. Long story short, the Lord ended up telling me to go down there and to stand and to wait. And in my arrogance, I went down there with my Bible. I stood up on a, on a concrete pier that was almost as high as this, slapped my Bible down, and I stood there, arrogant. And the ridicule started. And if you were a religious individual, you would have said, well, you were just being persecuted. No, I was getting slapped around for being stupid. There was nothing persecution about that. That was just arrogance. And in a moment of God's strength and wisdom and his mercy on me, he said to me, when I say go, you go. And so I'm being ridiculed. I mean, just a year and a half before, these were my people. We're going to a Black Sabbath concert, right? And they were yelling and hollering and screaming obscenities at me, and it was just nasty. And all of a sudden the Lord said, look, and I, my head turned, and I saw this young man standing there talking to his girlfriend, and he dropped, just dropped like a sack. I mean, went down on the ground. And the Lord said, now. And in this moment, I all of a sudden, I wish I could say, I felt the power of God surge through me and I knew. No. I didn't know what was happening, but I knew God was going to manifest himself. And in that moment, I had the most fear I've ever experienced. And I'm not talking a fear of God. I'm talking personal fear. Oh, my Lord, what are you calling me to do? Because I was worried if I could do it. I jumped down off that concrete. I ran towards that young man. And as I walked up, the Lord said, do what I tell you. He said, renounce the spirit of death. Cast it out. I don't know that the young man was dead. I only did what I was told to do. I have no medical certification that this man died. I have no anything. And I started to pray, and I started to cast out the spirit of death. And everybody was yelling and screaming at me. And all of a sudden, this huge gentleman, this blonde young man, he's probably in his late 20s, black leather coat, comes up behind me and starts saying to these people that are trying to pull me off physically, off this guy while I'm praying for him, Leave him alone, he knows what he's doing. Leave him alone, he knows what he's doing. And just as he said that, this young man that was on the ground went, 
and opened his eyes. And the EMTs came rushing in a split second later and grabbed hold of him. <clears throat> that young man that was telling them, leave him alone, as a side note, he knows what he's doing, was actually a backslidden youth pastor that pulled me aside later and said, I was in line waiting for a ticket and I knew that I shouldn't be here. But I said, Lord, if you don't want me here, then you're going to have to perform a miracle to show me. And he said, that's when you jumped down off that concrete and ran towards that young man when he dropped. And I knew my position was redeemed with my father and he was bawling. Any arrogance I had in me at that moment about what had just happened disappeared because it wasn't me. It had nothing to do with me. I realized that it was 100% Jesus Christ living and moving through me that did it. But it was not me. It was not me. That's why I can't give you the 10 points to raising the dead. That's why I can't formulate a process and give you books and tell you exactly what to do and what status you should be in your life and where you should be and how you should be and who you should be and how much you should read every day to bring yourself to a place of humility. Every one of us has a different thing and a different place that we're in. We all deal with different things, right? I, I feel for Mike because I remember when I was so debilitated that I couldn't even walk. I mean, I was in so much pain with my back. And in that place of humility, I, I experienced the presence of God like never before. And in those moments, that's when the Lord was able to use me. You know, and I was one of a group of people that prayed for a man that had cancer removed from his leg. There was about five of us. And all of us, strangely enough, were in a very humble place for a multitude of reasons at that point. And we knew it wasn't us. It wasn't about what we were doing, what we were saying, how we were saying it. I mean, remember this. The woman that had the issue of blood, Jesus said nothing to her. He didn't do anything. There was no formula. There was no process. She touched the hem of his garment, and power came out of him and healed him, healed her. Except that you're a new creation in Christ. If there's points that a person can do, I would say this, it's not about healing, it's about being the fullness of who we are in Christ and accepting the miraculous. We're going to talk more about this over the next while, but we're, to accept the miraculous means to open our minds to some things that most people would call crazy. And so you need to accept the miraculous and humble ourselves. And realize it's not what we do, it's not how we do it, it's not anything to do with we, it is everything to do with him. Which means that on a daily basis we need to keep ourselves into a place of having relationship with him. Which will then naturally cause a humility. Because if I say to you, you need to get humble. Well then you've got another process you've got to do. You've got to go through this process of getting humble. No, you need to get into a deeper relationship with Christ. And he will lead you to humility. He will let you live there. And it's a great place to be. In that humility, healing will arise. Miraculous things will occur.
if you <coughs> remember the story of Joseph, when the Pharaoh had the dream, it was reminded, it was told him that there was one in prison that could tell dreams. And uh, they brought Joseph to him. And they said, the Pharaoh said, can you interpret the dreams? Joseph said, no. What was the dream? No, what was the dream? And then he gave the interpretation of it. But he gave the, he didn't give it. He was just the mouthpiece. Can you interpret dreams? No. What was the dream? I think um, I've got a mic. I think if we were going to write a um, a list of what is involved in healing. I don't know how else to put it. I'm just kind of seeing something in my brain. But the first bullet point would be there can be no quote-unquote I in the equation. We have to learn that what we think or what we feel has nothing to do with God doing anything. And, um, I mean, we're, as humans, we're, we're centered on I. I, 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 just like Sean was, I did this, I did that, you know, and saying I. Um, and if you want to be used by God, I has to go out the window. That means whether in the back of your mind you're thinking, oh, everybody's going to know I'm a healer now. Or if you're thinking, Everybody's going to look at me. Oh, no. I mean, they're both equally self-absorbed uh, attitudes. When you become... so full of God and so empty of you, of I that when people look at you, they only see Him, then you're in a place where God can use you to work miracles. Release healing. I think another place we have to get is to come to terms with what does the word say about healing 
you know, we've been taught for years and years and years that healing is the will of God. But do you know that you know that you know that you know it beyond anything else? At least for me, I had to get it settled way down deep in me, in, in my heart. I had read the Word. I knew what the Word said. I had heard preachers preach about it. I tried praying for people and seen very few, if any, results. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. And finally, somehow I got hold of that phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. That Jesus told us to pray that. And I realized that if it's not up in heaven, then it's not supposed to be here on earth either. And I can pray that. And that became alive to me, and I started seeing people healed when I prayed for them. Um, but my understanding. I really don't know how to explain it except that that particular scripture and that particular understanding came alive in me. <coughs> it wasn't just something I read, it was something that was planted in me. And that's why you hear me pray that way when I'm praying for someone to be healed. I'm reminding myself, oh, this is, this is what is in me. I know this. I know that I know that I know. So anyway, bullet point one, there can be no I in the equation. Bullet point two, what? Yeah. It, it's more than knowing up here. It's knowing in your gut that this is what This is, it's, it's not just this is what the Word says, it's this is what God wants. If it's not in heaven, then He doesn't want it here. Because Jesus said we were to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what's in heaven? Is there sickness in heaven? No. He doesn't want it here. Is there brokenness in heaven? No. Well, he doesn't want it here. Is there, are there people who are, who have uh, demonic 
things going on with them in heaven? No. Well, he doesn't want it here. We have that kind of authority to bring heaven into the earth realm because Jesus told us to pray that way. Okay, I think I'm done. I think the thing that stood out to me is that we've got to remember that there is no formula. And maybe that's point number three, is that there is no formula. Um, I think as soon as we try to put God in a box or say that there is and it has to be this, this, and this is where religion gets in and squashes the whole thing. That's where the religious spirit takes root, is when we try to make God make sense in our finite little brains. Right? instead of letting God be God and know that he's bigger than anything that we can make sense of and that it's beyond us um, and that we have to trust that he's going to show up when he chooses to show up and he's going to do it in the way that he chooses to do it and it's likely not going to look the same way twice in our brains and how we want stories and predictability and everything that just goes against all of our sensibilities. Um, and we have to let that go. We have to let our humanness go and let, I've heard it, um, John Eldridge calls it, we have to be amphibians to be able to go between the earth and the spirit. Like to be able to go, like amphibians can go between land and water. Like that's how we have to be between the spirit and here and and to be able to go back and forth and be tuned in. Like you said, to just be able to hear God when he says to do those one-off things. Like Kay, you've talked about a lot of just doing those things that you're like, well, okay, this doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> to be really adept at going between the two, but remembering that we are not of this world, that we are aliens here, we are foreigners here. We're not supposed to be foreigners in the spirit world. <laughs> that's our home. Like, that's where we're supposed to be, and I feel like that we've gotten that all backwards. Not us, necessarily, but just the church, the body of Christ has gotten it backwards. Um, yeah.
that has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is yield to the relationship I have in Christ and then take the position that he gives me at that moment. That's the mustard seed. If you do that, if you're responsible and you have enough relationship with him to hear it, that's the one thing you control is your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. So if you open yourself up to that relationship and you can hear when he says, I want you to do this, then he opens up the entirety of his kingdom to you that split second. And if he says, move the mountain, you'll be able to move the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's about surrender, right? It's unity with Jesus and the Father, and it's total surrender, right? Where you're, you've died to yourself, you're alive in Christ, you've taken up your cross, right? Died to the flesh and living in the Spirit, right? We're citizens of heaven, not citizens of earth. And we're to bring heaven to earth, not bring earth to heaven, <laughs> We've gotten it backwards. No. And we don't want earth in heaven either. No. But we think that we have control when we have earth and heaven. And people want to hold on to the control. And so the mustard seed truly is the unity and the surrender. I can... I remember a time... When I was um, on the prayer team over where we were going, and uh, so there was an altar call given: if you need prayer, come come down. And and uh, this grandmother and her. Or maybe a great grandmother, I think she was, and the, a little girl. She was about six, and um, I'm like, oh, you know, she probably has sniffles. You know, I can I can believe for that. The grandmother said she's losing her sight. She played outside in muddy water and got an infection and her parents didn't take care of it and now she's losing her sight. Well, come on. God, (laughs) what are you thinking? I don't know how to deal with this. What happened to the cold? That I wouldn't mind praying for. But a child, a little girl that is losing her sight, I was scared, spitless. And all I, all I could think to pray, because I knew it wasn't in me. I didn't have that kind of authority, gifting, pizzazz, glory, whatever you wanted to call it. But it was a little girl that needed to not be blind. So, 
I think all I prayed was just, Jesus, have mercy on this child. Lord, please have mercy on this child. I, I can't remember what else I said. Maybe I said a whole lot of stuff. I, I, but inside, I was like, God, if you don't move, this baby is going to grow up without her sight. And she doesn't need to do that. Please help her. And so, you know, great woman of faith that I am, I just thought, So the next Sunday, I saw the grandmother. I didn't see the girl. I said, how is, is she? And she said, she's fine. I said, how are her eyes? Oh, they're fine. She went home as soon as we got home that day. She turned the TV on, and she wasn't having to sit up close to the TV to see. She could sit across the room and, and watch. was just flabbergasted. God, you did it. I mean, I was thrilled too, you know, that the that baby girl had gotten healed, but I'm like, oh dear Lord, you did it. You did it. Wow. And I had nothing to do with it except just put my hand on her eyes. That was pretty cool. But I, I think a key is I knew I had nothing in me that would bring sight back to those eyes that Jesus did. God did. One last encouragement, because this is probably for someone who's listening, not necessarily somebody who's here. If you're the person that when you hear, you need to have a deeper relationship with Christ, your first thought is, oh no, 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 no. Because you know what God has said about what He's called you to do and you've held it internally and you don't want to do it because it means you'd be exposed or you feel like you're going to come under judgment for things that may be happening or have happened in your life and you're going to be exposed. I want to just say to you that's false. I say that with all the authority of Christ. I don't say that in myself. 
And when I say with all the authority of Christ, it's because Jesus loves you. Your sin is as far as the east is from the west. If he wasn't aware of what your sin was, he wouldn't have let his son die on the cross for you. He already knows. If he wasn't aware of what your fear was, his son would not have died on the cross for you. He already knows your fear. So if you have specifically that deep desire inside of you is struggling and you're, you've heard words, you know what the Lord's will is for you, you've hidden it inside your heart and you just put it away and said, no, I'm not doing it. I would truly encourage you to release yourself to Christ. Release yourself to that relationship Build that relationship with Him and let Him move you to where you are supposed to be. Whether that's physically, spiritually, whatever it is. Because you will be in His perfection. And in His perfection, all things are possible. I believe uh, following God is is how, as a child, how you're brought up. I know we all have choices and make choices, but I believe said is how you've been taught when you was young. And your choice to you had the choice to follow God by serving Him and being, it says in the Bible by the water, being born again, I believe. Do with the water. Be baptized. And
you don't love him, you're just lost. It's, that's a choice that you have to make. He told me that downtown here one morning. Really stuck in my mind for a long time. But, uh, I could sit here and talk all day, I guess, if you know about different things. But I want to thank God for bringing me from a dark place. Dark place. Yes. The ones in in this room that thank them for helping me in my life. Thank God. Praying for me, helping me daily. And we've all our families. I don't know why I'm saying this, but. I look back at my life and my whole family for some reason. The Lord showed me all the things that my family went through being hurt in an accident. And the Lord was there all the time and healed every one of us throughout our lives. My whole family that He showed me will go. He said, look at this, Michael. I just want to thank the Lord for changing my life. My family don't see me do it, but the Lord showed me how to. My family leaves in the morning, I can pick that Bible up and he'll tell me to read it. Now that's his love. I believe let me spend time with him every morning. That's how much he loves me to let me learn. And he was talking earlier, Sean was about the song, the words. I believe it was the second song sung. There was one word in there. And it's nothing. When you think about it, it's got seven letters. And that number, in some reason, the Lord gave me this when I was sitting here this morning. He said, Michael, that word, and that number was in seven letters. And today's the seventh. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's nothing but God. He just put that in my mind. And I think it's something he wants me to remember. Nothing that he cannot do. Men, Ronnie talked about it on the way to church this morning.
thank the Lord for all his blessings that he gives me every day of my life. He touched my my son. I watched him touch my son this last two weeks. He gave him another job. And I don't even think he was really looking for one. And they called him and told him to come over that we had one ready for you. So that's nothing but God. And he couldn't believe it neither. He said, you know, he told his mom, he said, I think I like this job. <coughs> but he, he was he working at the theater. And he uh, used to be a boss over the younger ones that are working. And I thank the Lord for I'd say in our lives, in my family and y'all and all of our the church family here. I thank the Lord for the church, place to go to church and to be loved. Nothing but love. Because I don't mean to I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it might be for me, but that sometimes I speak it or if I hear it, it goes over me the wrong way. It's how we treat, speak to each other in life by loving. I mean, being, and like Miss Kay said, if it wasn't from heaven, it's not God. He don't want us to talk bad to one another or put each other down. And I know every one of us said every day. There's something that the devil will try to come into our lives and put in our mind that will try to confuse us or get us try to go the wrong way or then I thought and he told me, Michael, I believe that's why I taught you to pray before you go to bed and love me and thank me. Because if I don't, I don't even think I'll sleep at night. Because the love of Jesus. Because when I was a younger man, it was all Michael. And the devil had me so messed up you can ask my brother. Yes. For years I thought I got away from my parents. I thought I could do it myself. And he gave me that choice. He said, you either leave it alone or you can go to hell. He opened my eyes. And I think that's what he does with all of us. So I thank the Lord this morning and I thank y'all for loving me. Thank you.
speaking earlier, Sean, about the mustard seed. God just showed me a picture of, I love nature. I love how God creates things every day. But God was just showing me, he said, a seed never moves that ground until it burst open. And he was showing me, you know, we see where whole forests are destroyed and we think it's gone. All that's gone. But nature has found out, man has found out until a lot of seed goes through the fire, it never burst open. So that, that's what God is showing me, to stay humble and let him burst some seeds open if you want to see the mountain move. You know, it's, it was prayer. Uh, God has been speaking to me about being content. He asked me a couple of weeks ago, he said, are you really content? I said, Boy, that's something to chew on now. <laughs> and I've been chewing on it. Because until we fully learn to trust and obey, that's what God has shown me. Until we fully put our complete trust in our Father, and just obey him, just say, okay, Lord, Paul told us, he said, you don't, don't even be trying to understand things. These mysteries, he said, don't, don't dwell on that at all. And then he goes and he tells us what to dwell on. So Jack brings up the honey. <laughs> Mike, before we even started service, he said, well, God is sweeter than honey. Honey is one of the purest things that's ever been on earth. God was just showing me once again. It's pure. But man has spent generations and generations tearing it apart. Over wealth. Over Money, wealth. But I was reminded of how God would just show me it's pure. As long as we stay in Him, it's pure. We're the ones that mess it up. So I'll go back to the healing, and that's healing is pure. That's the pureness of God, is healing. And I was reminded of where he told the, the non-believers, get out of here. If you don't believe <coughs> I can do this, I don't need you around. And it's not that he didn't love them,
about to fire people, okay? Are you going to allow him to burn the impurities out of you is what he's asking. And that forge, if I go to, to make something in the forge, especially, you can make anything. I mean, but when you go to weld something in the forge until it is pure, Until you have burned it to a, we call it a wheat, yellow, until it's just almost white. Unless you get all them impurities out of there, that well is never going to hold. It will not take. If there's one piece of trash in there, it ain't coming apart. I mean, it, it's coming apart. It's, it won't hold. And that's what God wants to do with us. Burn that junk out of there. Amen. And the more that I'm trusting, the more I obey him, the more I allow him to burn out of there. God just wants me to tell y'all that that's what the world is watching. Are they really believing what they're saying? Because he's holding. What did he tell the disciples? He said, if you truly walk in my will and in my ways, all these other things is going to follow and then watching the chosen I thought things, things ain't really changed he sent them the apostles out and when the miracle did happen what they do they stood there and looked at each other like he really does do that don't he? <laughs> I looked up, honey. I mean, I thought I knew this, but sometimes I don't know what I think I knew. I think I know. But honey has antibiotic properties and antiseptic properties. It's good for wound healing. It's good for cough. If, if you, hmm? Good to clean your sinuses. It's, it, 
it's good, it's healthy, it's good for a lot of things, but a lot of us carry wounds around, you know, from things that have happened, things in our past, whatever. And it's hard, hard for us to get healed, get that kind of healing. But there's honey in the rock. He is sweeter than honey. And if we allow him to... I've heard people talk about when they felt the presence of God come over them, that it felt like warm honey just oozing over them. Although that sounds kind of gross, but they say, you know, it feels good. <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is sweeter than honey. And as we step into learning about healing, how to operate in healing, which I think so far today we've figured out it has nothing to do with us. It has, except for we have to take us out of the picture. Lay aside me and just empty ourselves of self and let God fill us, flow through us, and He will move through us. I'll tell you another, and then I'm done for the day. I swear. Years ago, Lillian Crymeyer, who was a pastor here in town, she was having a tent revival right across from Brahms. And she invited me to come preach one night. Well, I was excited, you know, because number one, I'm female and you don't get a lot of offers, invitations to come preach. And I was young and I hadn't done it a lot. And and uh, I was very excited. So. Excited that recognized Right, yeah. And so I went and I preached and it wasn't this big, you know, earth moving message, but it was, I, I'm not even sure what I preached to be honest. And so gave an invitation, this woman, young woman came down with a little boy. And I asked her, you know, what's wrong with the baby? And she said, he can't hear. And again, God keeps putting me in these situations. What? <laughs> come on, God. This is my first time out. I mean, come on. <laughs> and so, in order to actually to buy some time to try to hear what God wanted me to do about this, 
I said, well, do you know why he is deaf? Meaning, what caused it? And she, she started crying. She said, yes, I used to serve God and I fell away from him. And it's because of that that my baby's deaf, which, you know, I, that was what she, she thought. I said, well, let's, let's pray and ask God to forgive you, right? And so we did, and then I prayed for this baby. And <laughs> later, I went across the street to Brahms and saw this group of people sitting around this baby, the baby sitting on the table, and they're snapping their fingers behind him, and he's looking, he's hearing, he's clearly hearing, and they're all, yay! And I'm just amazed. Because again, I did not have it in me. I didn't know what to do. But God responded in mercy. Showing me a miracle that it didn't, that I was not, couldn't be a part of the equation if he was going to move. Right. And he was going to get the glory. That's it. I'm done for the day. Uh, we were sitting here during worship. Uh, I just, uh, I saw myself uh, standing before uh, a man, and he was sick, but he hadn't told anyone. And God had said to, he did, I just had words come out of me, and it was in the spirit, uh, some tongues. And uh, I spoke them, and this man was healed. And I just want to encourage everybody that um, sometimes God gives you premonitions of things that you need to go and do. And other times, it's actually happening right then. Don't put God in a box. It's an, it's an, he drops an intercession on you and I felt the power in my chest and I physically spoke the words out and they might be in Russia they might be down the street and because God God's reach is not short you are there in the room with them and God is doing what he wants to do in their lives so I just want to encourage everybody to, when, and when that happens, when, when I feel the presence of God drop on me, it's, I, um, I have I, what I call this switch in my brain that I, I turn my brain off and open my spirit and let my spirit do the thinking. And, and that's how you keep yourself out of it. And you let the pure power of God flow through you, and you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. That's good. Um, we were talking to Jack and Kay uh, um, 
was on Saturday, I guess. No, Friday. Thursday? Was it Thursday? No, Thursday. Okay. Um, we don't. We just don't. You guys have a weird Thanksgiving. Um, the uh, The supernatural is something that is beyond our understanding. That's why it's called supernatural. It is something outside of ourselves. And Kay shared something about her daughter that I'd like to share today that just real briefly um, just turned me around. Just, just I, It's not something I didn't know, but it just... She made a statement... She said, when Rachel realized that she was dead, that's when she heard the Lord clearer than she had ever had before. Because she knew she had absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. And I think we're so worried about doing something wrong, about hearing the wrong voice, about following the wrong word, that we subjugate ourselves to people that sit behind a pulpit waiting for them to say you're hearing the right word, you're doing the right thing for affirmation instead of realizing that we're dead to self and letting God take us wherever he wants no matter how crazy that may seem to the outside world because as we get closer and closer to the end we're all going to get taken some crazy places and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing that is something we should aspire towards and live in delight and live in anticipation. <clears throat> Father, we want to thank you, Lord God, for your relationship with us. We want to thank you that you see fit to be long-suffering with us and tolerant of us. Father, we want to thank you for your redemption and your salvation. And we want to thank you that you can establish in us your will. God, we ask each and every one of us that you would establish your will in us. That you would keep us in a place of humility. We want to function in the things you want for each of us individually. Not just healing, but the fullness of all the gifts. And to be able to do it in the fullness of your desire and, and for us. So Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the death to self. We thank you for the rebirth to Christ. And to what you've done as Christ. And to all the works that come with that. God, we don't seek those works for self-affirmation. We seek them so that we can be complete in service to you. And we thank you for it. Father, I ask for preservation for everybody here and everybody listening. I ask that their, their ears would be preserved, their hearts would be preserved. Father God, that they would physically be preserved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.